And we're going to start in uh, Mark chapter 6. And, you know, while I was preparing for this message, I was, I was thinking, you know, have I ever met anybody famous? You know, and I was thinking about that, and I realized that, no, I actually, I have never met anybody famous. I've almost ran into a few. You know, there was a time about 10 years ago, I was in an airport and saw a bunch of WWE wrestlers trying to make a plane. You know, I recognized them. You know, the big show, uh, Eddie Guerrero and JBL and some other guys that uh, were trying to catch a plane. And, you know, I, uh, to be honest, I was about from here to the door from them. So I got a glimpse of them. You know, I also saw uh, somebody in a uh, Las Vegas hotel one time. He was a, an actor on a, on a show I had seen. I don't remember who he was, but uh, he was on a movie, so he had to be famous, right? I mean, it was a popular movie. But, uh, you know, have you met anybody famous? Because, you know, the one thing about famous people is that they all grew up somewhere, right? They, they all grew up somewhere. They, they grew up in a town or a city somewhere, and they grew up around other people. So that means that people knew them before they got famous or before they became famous. No matter what made them famous, people knew them. You know, and because I, I've never known anybody famous, didn't grow up with anybody famous, I, I, I kind of glean this from maybe some interviews I've seen of, of people who know famous people or grew up with famous people. And, and the one thing I, I kind of notice is it seems that people that grow up with famous people or know them fall on one side or the other about their opinion about them, right? They're, they're either they're like, like their fan, like they, they're, they're proud of them. They, you know, they're like, yeah, we went to the same high school. They're, they're proud of their accomplishments. They're, you know, maybe they're, they're the president of their fan club or something. They're, they're proud of them. They're a fan, right? And then there's those people that, uh, that really are, are more critical of the people, right? These are the interviews where, the interviews that are done where they're going after the people that kind of have known these folks to try to dig up some dirt about them, right? They're the, the people that are critical about them, the people that really aren't considered fans. They're fans. You know, throughout this series in Mark, We've been seeing Jesus really, in a way, become famous, right? He's been traveling from town to town. He's, he's teaching the good news that the kingdom of God has come, right? He's, he's, he's sharing this message that you can be forgiven of your sins and have a relationship with God, and he's, he's healing people, right? He's casting out demons, and, and we've been watching as he goes from town to town that it's like the crowds are growing, right? He's, he's becoming more famous, more well-known. People are, are hearing about him. People are pursuing him. They're, they're traveling from the areas around to, to see him, to hear him, to be healed by him. Well, this is until we get to chapter 6. Because something interesting happens in chapter 6 is Jesus actually decides to go to his own hometown. 
the town of, of Nazareth. And what happens that is we're going to see is that Jesus doesn't have any fans there. Right? He doesn't have any fans there. Actually, he goes there and he's criticized and he's rejected. And so we've called this series, this message today, Rejecting, Rejecting Jesus. Now, as we, we dig into this, we've, we've, we've got a lot of verses to read. And, and what I'm hopeful that we're going to get out of this today is, is to understand this, that, that our relationship with Jesus is all about faith. It's all about faith. And you know, one of the hardest things to let go is our own ideas of who Jesus is. You see, if we're unwilling or unable to let, to let our own ideas about who we think Jesus is go, we're going to miss out on an opportunity to have a relationship with God. See, what we're going to see today is that the people that you would think would know Jesus the best didn't recognize who he was. So what do you believe? What do you believe about Jesus? So we're going to start today in, in Mark, obviously, chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 1. Jesus left that part of the country and returned, to his, to, returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles. You see, after Jesus um, healed the woman that, that had the bleeding issue, we talked about this last week, after this woman was healed and after he raised uh, Jairus' daughter, the, the, the synagogue official, after he raised his daughter back to life, Jesus decides to take his disciples back to his hometown. And so they travel and arrive in Nazareth. And then we're told that, that Jesus actually on the Sabbath began teaching in the synagogue. Now, if, if you've noticed as we've been reading through Mark, this is something that we've heard several times, right? That, that Jesus teaches in the synagogue. And this was something that, I mean, not only in Mark, but you can read it in the other Gospels too, that this was like a custom of Jesus. Anytime he traveled to a town, he would actually go into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he would teach. And you know, we've, we've got an example of, of it here in, uh, in Matthew 9 is an example of one where it's talking about Jesus. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. You see, now, the message that Jesus was teaching in the synagogues and even when he was teaching the people, the crowds that were around was pretty consistent, right? Jesus wasn't like a, a, um, 
like a motivational speaker, right, that's traveling around and setting up these conferences to talk about, like, finding this power from within yourself and utilizing it to better your life, right? Jesus was going around, and his message was consistent. He was always talking about the good news of the coming kingdom of God. He was talking that, that, that God had, had promised a, a Savior, a Messiah, right? That, and, and all of Israel would have remembered this because they grew up hearing the stories about this promise that God was going to make things right, that God was going to fix it, that, that they would have an opportunity to have a relationship, a restored relationship with God. And this was the news that Jesus was bringing. This is the good news that Jesus was talking about, that, that this Messiah, this Savior, this person that would make everybody's relationship with God right had come. And you know, it's, it's interesting that this was actually not Jesus's, I don't believe this was Jesus's first trip to Nazareth. I believe in the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he actually went to Nazareth and, and probably shared, taught in the same place, right? And, and on that first trip, this is, what, this is what Jesus actually told them. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You see what happened when, when, when Jesus went to the synagogue on this first trip at the beginning of his, his earthly ministry, when he walked into the synagogue, he was handed a scroll. And it was the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus looked through that scroll and found this, this in the scroll. He went to this and read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've heard, you've just heard, has been fulfilled this very day. You see, this passage that Jesus read in the synagogue was a prophecy from Isaiah about the promise of that Messiah, that Savior that would come and set things right, that Savior that would come and, and set people free from their sinful nature and allow them to have a restored relationship with God so that they could experience the favor of God in relationship with him. You see what Jesus was doing, even at the very beginning of his ministry, he was proclaiming who he was. He was proclaiming that, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Savior, that he would be the one that would, that would usher in a time when people could have a relationship with God. You know, the sad thing is, if you continue to read on in Luke, you'll find a very similar response to the re response we find in Mark. 
on this trip that we're speaking about. You see, at first, many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the, the power to perform such miracles? You see, they had, they had heard the stuff that Jesus was teaching. Right? They, they heard the, the power that, te that Jesus was, was teaching in the, the authority that he had. Remember, it was said that when Jesus taught, it was like, it was completely different. It was taught with a different kind of authority than the other religious leaders. So they had seen, the, they heard the way he taught. They heard what he taught. And they had either saw the miracles that he had performed or they had heard about them. Right, the news about Jesus was, was spreading all throughout the land. So they heard these things, and then when he comes to their town, they're, they're, they're amazed by, by what they're hearing and what they're seeing. We're told that they were amazed. But the problem is that amazement, the amazement didn't last long. Because eventually they began to scoff at him. If we continue in verse 3, it says, Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe him. You see, they thought they knew him. They thought they knew him. You know, I, I grew up in, uh, in Layton. And, it, you know, it, it wouldn't be considered a small town. I don't know how many of you have, have grown up in small towns, the, the kind of towns where everybody knows everybody, right? And, and not only does everybody know everybody, everybody knows everybody's business, right? This is the kind of town where... Maybe you came home late one night and, and, and got disciplined by your parents, right, and caught a whooping or something. And then maybe later on that week, you kind of go to the one convenience store in the town, and you're, after the, the clerk catches you out, he kind of reminds you, you know, maybe, maybe you better head on home tonight before you catch another whooping. Right? Everybody knows your business. See, this is the kind of town that Jesus grew up in. Right? Jesus grew up in Nazareth, a, a small town where everybody knew everybody's business. See, he lived with these people for the majority of his life, and they thought they knew him. You see, they're, they're struggling to let go of what they think they know about Jesus. You know, at first, seeing all these things, again, they're amazed, and then they're like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Isn't this the, the, the carpenter guy that used to live down the street? Yeah, 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 I know his brother and his sisters. Come on now, come on now, he, he can't be the one. And they refused to believe. 
You know, part of me thinks that, that they should have been able to figure it out. Right? I mean, think about it. Jesus was perfect. He never sinned. He didn't have a sinful nature. Right? I, I've, got a, I've got a grandson at home. Right? The, the, the little guy is two years old. You know? But I see the sinful nature in this little guy. Oh, he's cute as anything. I love him. He's cute. It's, it's fun to play with him. But, but I can see his selfishness. He is a caring, a caring little boy. And don't mis- misunderstand me. I, I really want you to understand what I'm saying. He is precious and valuable, right? But he's got a sinful nature, just like the rest of us. A sinful nature that puts ourselves above everybody else. A sinful nature that puts our desires, our pleasures above other people and even uses other people to satisfy them. But see, Jesus was different. And, and part of me thinks that they, they, they should have seen this like while they were watching him grow up. Or while they were growing up with him, you know, like, it should have been in the back of their mind, like, something's different about this boy. Right? He never took advantage of anybody. Was always respectful and polite. Never put his own well-being over everybody else. There had to have been something different about him, even as a child. And you would think that as they saw the miracles that he was doing and the the things that he was teaching, you would have thought that they would have been able to put those puzzle pieces together, like would have been able to connect the dots, like, yeah, man, it's it's possible because he was different than anybody else. He was different than anybody else. But, you know, then I realized that we do the same thing. What do you believe about Jesus? You see, sometimes we all come to the table with different ideas about who Jesus is. And it doesn't matter where they come from. Maybe it's something you learned from somebody. Maybe it's something you learned from another church. All right, we all come to the table with these wrong ideas about Jesus. Oh, he's he's a good teacher a good prophet, that he's, that he's one of, of many gods, that he's one of many ways to God, or maybe worse yet, we create the Jesus in our own minds and hearts on our own. We kind of form him up so that Jesus kind of works with the lifestyle that we want to live. You see, we do the same thing. We hold on to these ideas that we have about Jesus, or we formulate these ideas in our mind about Jesus, rather than trusting and believing in who Jesus proclaimed himself to be. 
You see, we can't have a relationship with God if we're unwilling to let go of our own ideas of who we believe Jesus is. We have to accept him for who he really is. The Messiah. The Savior. God in the flesh. The God who created heaven and earth. The God who gave his life so that we could know him so we could have a relationship with him. You know, after Jesus faced this rejection, this is what he tells them. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. You see, what I believe Jesus is actually saying here is that the hardest, the people who have the hardest time believing in him are the ones who think they already know him. This was his hometown. The people who have the hardest time believing in him are the ones who think they already know him. And he goes on, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. You see, the, the idea I want to focus on here is this, this, what he said is that he couldn't do any miracles. And, and I, I think that's important, and it's not important because... Um, it shows us some weakness of God, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's not like God is waiting for us to believe in him to give him power. He created all things. He's God. But I, I think what this tells us is it tells us something about the people in Nazareth. And it can tell us something about ourselves as well. You see, remember last week when that woman that had the issue of blood sought out Jesus in the middle of that crowd just to touch his robe because she believed that if she could just touch him, she would be healed. Well, after she was touched him and she was healed, Jesus turned to her and said, daughter, your faith has made you well. And then Jairus, Jairus, right, he, he had sought out Jesus because his daughter was dying. And before they, they got back to his house to, to save his daughter, the people came and told him, Jairus, your daughter has died. Leave him alone. Let him go about his business. It's too late. And what did Jesus tell him? He says, don't be afraid. Just have faith. we go all the way back to chapter 2. The story about the paralyzed man. 
and his four friends, they couldn't get through the door. And so they go and take apart the roof and lower him in front of Jesus. And then Jesus, seeing their faith, told the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. You see, Jesus says, each of these people were healed by faith. See, we know it was Jesus who did the healing. We know it was God, the power of God that transformed these people's lives. But it was their faith that brought them to Jesus. I imagine that they had doubts. I imagine that they had fears. I imagine they had a lot of questions. But you see, they chose to believe that Jesus was able. They chose to believe that Jesus could do it. And it drove them to pursue Jesus. You see, Jesus was unable to heal in Nazareth because nobody pursued him to be healed. We're told he only healed a, a few sick people. And when you think about this in contrast to the other towns that he had visited where he was so crowded he had no time to rest, Killing many people, and in Nazareth, his, his own hometown, nobody pursued him to be healed because they didn't believe. Do you know that Jesus has done all the work required for us to be forgiven of our sins and have a relationship with God? He's done everything that's required. So that means that a relationship with your creator, a relationship with the God that created everything that we're amazed by is available to you if you put your faith in Jesus. If you're willing to believe that, that he did what was required, that, that he gave his life on the cross, that he paid the penalty for the sin that separates us from God. And it's by our faith in that truth that Jesus Christ did it that we received the miracle of a new life in relationship with God. You know, I imagine that this was a, a sad day for Jesus. Right, the day that 
He goes to his own hometown, the people that he spent most of his life with, the people that he probably knew the best. He lived with them. He shared life with them. And they rejected him, refusing to believe. But you know, this didn't derail Jesus. He didn't give up. He continued on his mission to to seek and save the lost. And we see this continue. Jesus continues to share the good news that that he is the Messiah, the Savior. In verse 7, then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people And he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. And he told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave the town. But if any place refuses to welcome you or listen to you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So the disciples went out, telling everyone they met, telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turned to God. And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. See, not only does Jesus continue to share this this good news, right, that we can be forgiven of our sins and have a relationship with God, he actually sends his disciples out to share that news as well. But, but you notice that he, he basically only allows them, I mean, he, he doesn't allow them to take anything, right? He, he, he doesn't want them to take anything. They, they can't take any food with them. They can't take a bag. They can't take any money. Can't take a change of clothes. They can wear their sandals, the clothes they have on their back, and they can take a walking stick. You see, I believe that Jesus did this for a reason, too. Because I believe that Jesus wanted his disciples to understand this. That we're not only saved by faith, but after we put our trust in Jesus Christ and come into this relationship with God, as we're followers of Jesus Christ, We also live by faith. You see, Jesus sent his disciples out to continue to exercise their faith. He wanted his disciples to put their faith into action. Put their faith into action. You see, it was their faith that compelled them to follow Jesus and obey. And he sends them out with no no provisions. 
because he wanted them to rely on him and not think that the things that were going to be accomplished were somehow due to them, some power that they had. It was God who was going to provide for their daily needs. It was God who was going to empower them to heal the sick and cast out demons. It was God who was going to work through them to deliver the message. And it was God who was going to accomplish his purpose through that message. Do you realize that if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you've been sent out, that you've been commanded to go and share the good news just like these disciples? Because when you put your trust in Jesus Christ by faith, you also live your life by that same faith. Are there going to be times of discomfort? Maybe. Will there be times of worry and fear? Maybe. Will there be times of doubt? Likely. But you're to live your life by faith. What do you believe about Jesus? Is he the almighty God who gave his life for you? If you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you today that he died for you and gave his life for you so that you could be forgiven of your sins and have a relationship with him. If you've already put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, live your life by faith and share Jesus Christ with the world. Will you pray with me? Father, we exalt you because you are a mighty God and we give you praise. Lord, I, I pray that if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, Father, that you would move in their hearts. Father, that you would give them the faith to trust in you. And for those uh, uh, that you already know here, your believers in this room, Father, I pray that you would give us the faith to live our lives for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.